Hello and welcome back to the Blockchain.com podcast. My name is Garrick Heilman. I'm the head of research at Blockchain.com and a visiting fellow at the London School of Economics. While crypto prices plummeted in May, gold had its best month since July of last year, up 8% for the month. Now, why did gold go up in May while Bitcoin, which is often referred to as digital gold, drop over 36% that same month? To discuss what's happening with gold, crypto prices, and tokenized gold, like Blockchain.com's own DGLD token, we spoke with our very own Charlie McGarrick, who heads the Blockchain.com markets team. In this episode, we discuss Charlie's background as a gold trader at Goldman Sachs and the structure of global gold markets, why tokenizing traditional assets like gold is useful, and what functionality and advantage tokenization brings. Are gold and Bitcoin more competitive or complementary? And we discuss Blockchain.com's tokenized gold product called DGLD, how it is constructed, where the gold is stored, and its new wrapped version called WDGLD that can be stored and transacted in the blockchain.com wallet. We'd love to hear what you think of this episode in the comments section of the podcast. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please rate us and leave a review as it really helps boost our visibility to more listeners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the episode. Great. Well, Charlie, welcome back to the podcast. I uh, thought I would start with um, your background prior to joining blockchain.com and, and what you did in the gold markets. Sure. Um, it's ancient history now. So I guess by way of introduction, I'm, um, I'm Charlie McCarra. I'm the chief strategy officer of blockchain.com and I co-head our markets business, um, which is lending and trading. Um, uh, in a prior life, in my first career, I was a, a trader at Goldman Sachs uh, for 16 years. And my last job at Goldman um, was as the, the global head of the metals business in the commodity department, which included both base and precious metals. So uh, gold and, and metal more broadly are a topic near and dear to my heart and is a market that I know and love. Great. And the gold market, one of the oldest markets uh, you know, in history, uh, you were very active in it. Can you help, um, you know, especially a crypto audience, maybe that's less familiar with, with the gold markets, uh, understand how, how uh, they operate, or, you know, what peculiarities or distinct features uh, you find in gold relative to other markets? I know you've told stories about people shipping gold, uh, sometimes from one part of the world to another to arbitrage prices. Yeah. Any, anything like that you can mention, I think would be helpful. Sure. I mean, just a quick overview of the market structure. Um, the physical uh, metal market is really predominantly based in London. It's called local London, um, as in location in London. Um, but most of the price discovery actually happens on the CME. Uh, people trade uh, futures all day long in New York. Um, and so, um, so the kind of level of the price is mostly a battle that's fought out constantly in the futures, uh, in the futures market. And then uh, the physical uh, metal itself actually trades uh, as a spread to futures typically in what's called an EFP or an exchange for physical. Um, gold bars in different places typically have different uh, prices associated with them. Um, and, and that's really usually done as a reference, uh, referencing the, uh, the CME price, um, but with a location specific and product specific premium. So the metal itself will, will, will have um, a certain clearing price. And then if a product has you know, some value add because it's fabricated into jewelry or 
into more likely, you know, bars of a certain spec that may be traded at a slight difference, which has to do um, typically with the cost of shipping uh, product between locations and also the, the cost of processing uh, the metal into, into various uh, refined products. So um, metal that is in kilo bar format, format and point 9999, so 49% pure, uh, maybe, you know, slightly different than um, metal that is uh, in uh, 400 ounce bar format, uh, like those big ingots you would see typically in the movies or whatnot, uh, and 0.9995% pure. So, uh, uh, yeah, so it's a, so, you know, it's a, it's an interesting commodity market with kind of one clearing price for the metal and then lots of different, you know, products and location specific premium. Great. So we're, we're here today to talk about uh, blockchain.com's uh, digital gold product, uh, not, not Bitcoin, the actual gold token uh, that we support, DGLD. And, and some people, just to start off, might be surprised to see a crypto company like ours and others uh, supporting uh, a gold token. Um, in fact, we saw, like I think, Digital Currency Group um, a year or two ago running a big advertising campaign, uh, encouraging people to, to ditch gold in favor of Bitcoin. Um, you know, which is often referred to as, as the real digital gold. Can you talk about, in your view, how competitive and complementary uh, Bitcoin and, and, and gold are? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's sort of a false dichotomy between Bitcoin and gold. I mean, at the end of the day, these are kind of hard commodity monies um, that um, people can buy as as basically a, a store of value and, and a means of maybe taking you, you know taking their capital out you know out of circulation putting into kind of cold cold storage for a bit. Um, now Bitcoin, I'd say the jury's still out on what Bitcoin really is. Is Bitcoin digital gold? You know, a lot of the market seems to think so. Um, maybe it is, uh, but also Bitcoin is also. Um, an attestation and timestamping utility for the whole internet that is really super secure and, and, and trustless, right? It's kind of, it's, a, it's an internet truth machine. And there's a lot of interesting things you can do with that. You know, gold on the other hand is an actual molecule. It's, you know, it's part of the periodic table, right? And, and, uh, and it is, it's a real world commodity and it is highly value dense. And, uh, and it's, you know, always had a bid for the last 5,000 years and will surely have a bid for the next 5,000 years. And so, um, so they're slightly different animals. Um, you know, gold is a true long-term store of value. Bitcoin may mature into that, but at the moment, it's um, it's both less and more than that. Um, it's 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 it hasn't fully matured into the digital gold use case yet, although it may, uh, and also it's potentially a much more useful you know base money and uh, attestation network. Uh, so so uh, yeah, so it's um, but they're both hard assets. Clearly, very hard assets that it's hard to make more of, and in that sense, they are fellow travelers. Yeah, I, I think you highlighted a really important point there about the you know the physical nature making gold uh, you know maybe more immune to cyber risk. Uh, certainly, a lot of the trading's you know, electronic, but um, you know another another element which we talked about in our gold research primer was the legitimization around gold. The fact it's owned widely by central banks and governments and has been for a long, long time certainly kind of puts it into a different bucket um, of of kind of regulatory clarity. Than, than in you know in adoption than certainly Bitcoin has achieved to date. Um, Agreed, and I think it, and you know crucially, unlike Bitcoin, the price volatility of gold is quite low um, relative to most tradable assets out there. But it's still you know hard hard money, and so in some sense, 
um, it makes sense for um, to be the backing asset for a stable coin, right? Because it's it's a you know it's a super hard um, hard money, but it's also um, not very volatile, and and so um, in some ways it has more desirable properties as a stable coin than some of the others that are out there. Yep. Yeah. And there's there's certainly a few um, stablecoin projects. Uh, Reserve, I think, is one that's looking at utilizing um, some of the tokenized gold uh, for for that very purpose. We'll we'll come back to the volatility of gold gold markets uh, towards the end as we kind of look at the recent performance of gold and kind of the outlook. But let's let's turn now to DGLD, our blockchain.com's tokenized version of gold. Um, Let's start with just asset tokenization and, and what this is. Why would you want to do this? What benefits are gained by tokenizing a traditional asset like gold? Uh, what functionality uh, does it offer? Yeah, I mean, why tokenize anything, right? I guess it's to make it easier to transact, more accessible to more people, um, and and reduce intermediation, basically, um, in terms of accessing the asset, but while making it kind of divisible and, and fungible and tradable. Um, the DGLD token is redeemable into physical metal um, in Switzerland. And um, it represents, you know, basically a digitized record of your property rights for an actual allocated quantum of gold in uh, a gold bar in MKS uh, PAMP's uh, vault system. Um, it's, a, it's a partnership with CoinShares and, and MKS. MKS is one of the world's leading gold refineries um, and, uh, and, and a good partner. And, and CoinShares is a leading crypto asset manager here in Europe. Um, and um, again, the, the, the DGLD project is designed to basically um, represent your actual property rights rather than, you know, a share of an investment vehicle or something like that. It's like, it's truly a digitized, basically vault receipt. Um, so it's just yeah. less intermediation to access your gold while keeping it transferable, transactable, basically. And that's, that's really cool. And I think one thing when people ask, like, why do this? I think it's interesting to look at the the stablecoin space, which um, I mean, it's just grown to to be enormous. I mean, a few years ago when we published our, our original state of stablecoin research, the market was about two billion. Uh, it's grown to over a hundred billion uh, in in size, you know, tokenized U.S. dollars. And 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 um, you know, what's a lot of what's driving that is is you know the ability to you know, make the U.S. dollar programmable, and and you know, um, it can fly on DeFi rails, and and you know, really be a part of the crypto asset marketplace in a way it couldn't before. And and do you see do you see parallels there with with the tokenization of gold and really making it more available to 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 you know be a part of this whole crypto phenomenon? Yeah, for sure, for sure, I do. I mean, I think when you tokenize it and make it interoperable with the rest of the crypto ecosystem, that's super useful. Um, because it can become a base settlement layer um, or uh, or just a you know portfolio diversifier. So I, I do think that's useful. I also think that um, um, it helps for people to understand crypto because um, you know cryptocurrencies themselves, which you know for the avoidance of doubt we like are awesome and they're super cool, but they derive their value from purely from the consensus of other people you know attributing them value. Whereas an asset-backed um, coin. Um, is easier to understand. There's no kind of like, hey, where's my money? It's like your gold is sitting in a vault in Switzerland. That's where it is. And uh, and and so it just makes the whole uh, product more comprehensible. 
and easy to understand. Um, and uh, and that's I think really helpful for you know bringing people into the ecosystem and 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 acting as a as a bridge into into you know full on digital asset technology. Yep. So you already touched on a few of the specifics around DGLD. Um, it's available for for storage and, and use in the the blockchain.com wallet as well. The the golds in Switzerland. You can actually go physically uh, convert your 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 um, your wallet token into physical gold in Switzerland. Can you talk about some of the other um, characteristics, like what blockchain it's on? We we recently uh, made it into WDGLD, so you can explain what that is, and and then yeah, yep, go ahead. So, so DGLD uh, itself is kind of the institutional grade product and it's done as a side chain to Bitcoin. Again, it uses this idea that Bitcoin is a truth machine for the internet. It's um, an immutable attestation layer and, and uh, DGLD is a side chain basically built on, you know, using piggybacking the hash, the hash power of the Bitcoin network to basically validate um, title to the metal associated with a given token. Um, WDGLD is wrapped um, into an ERC-20 format to make it easily interoperable with the rest of the crypto ecosystem um, and is more designed for anybody anywhere to be able to be uh, uh, transactable in gold, basically. Um, so that's, uh, that's what the wrap coin does. It's, uh, it's basically an Ethereum wrapper of the, of the Bitcoin sidechain uh, that just yep. makes it easily interoperable with the rest of the, the, rest of the market. Yep, absolutely. And uh, it's that wrapped version that I believe is available on the, the blockchain.com wallet. That's right. Uh, yep. That's right. Um, so let's talk, let's talk about the, the, uh, the pricing of it uh, and, and measurement units, uh, just so people are clear on that, because it, it's um, a little different, I think, from some of the other uh, gold tokens in crypto in terms of how it's constructed and more akin to uh, how the, the most popular ETF GLD is constructed. Is that, is that correct? In terms of pricing and measurement. Sorry, Sorry say it again. So, so uh, just in terms of how uh, DGLD, like what it represents in terms of the quantity of gold and, and what that means price-wise uh, for for the the DGLD token, it's uh, one ounce. Uh, sorry, not one ounce. One. Uh, I believe it's one tenth of an ounce. Okay, and yeah. and so it, it has a price that uh, yeah, it, it's it's not it's not priced like per ounce like some of the other tokens are out there. No. So that's just an important thing for yeah. I think, people to be aware of. Um, Cool. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the gold markets uh, and and what happened uh, both in May and also following the the Fed's meeting. We we saw gold finally have a, a great month. Uh, it's been about a uh, a year roughly since its last kind of big month, um, up eight percent for 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 May, while Bitcoin was down over thirty percent. So um, you know we've seen kind of gold listing and 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 trending down often while while crypto was doing really well. Then it had this big, big up month. What's your interpretation of that? I mean, how connected are our crypto markets and gold markets? And do you do you think they should be moving more? Gold and Bitcoin should be moving more together than they they have been over the past uh, nine months or so. So that's really a two piece question. And the first, and it's a good question. Um, and and the short answer is it's too soon to tell. Um, the slightly more long winded answer is um, is sort of like what is gold from a macro perspective and, 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 and what is Bitcoin from a macro perspective? So uh, gold, I think, is the easier one, although it's still kind of an investment that is highly, highly polarizing amongst um, professional investors. Like some people think it's 
you know, a useless pet rock that you dig up out of one hole only to bury in another hole and, you know, doesn't do anything. Other people think it's, you know, the greatest thing since slaves bread. Um, in my mind, gold is basically the value of putting your capital in long-term, you know, perpetual cold storage. So gold doesn't tarnish, it doesn't degrade. It always has a bit, it always has a bid. Um, and so it's basically just like a real yield zero perpetuity that, you know, is pretty much pretty likely to preserve purchasing power uh, and represents basically taking your capital out of circulation for, you know, a meaningful amount of time. Whereas if you were just to sell your assets and hold cash, um, you really kind of just long the option to buy something new kind of immediately because um, you may redeploy your cash, you know, quite quickly. So gold is kind of long-term cold storage for capital. Um, Bitcoin may be that. Um, and so, sorry, uh, on that point of, you know, long-term cold storage for capital, basically cold storage for capital does well when there aren't that many opportunities in the rest of the economy to deploy your capital. And so when, um, you know, when there's a lot of productive uses for capital and growth is really high, uh, gold will tend to do poorly. Um, and uh, real growth, I mean, and when real growth is low um, and real rates are low as a result of that, uh, gold will tend to do well, basically. Um, and so that's kind of gold. It's sort of this anti-growth capital and cold storage kind of, kind of um, investment tool is kind of how I think about it. Um, Bitcoin may be that, um, but Bitcoin's also a lot of other things. Like, like it's hard to know yet whether Bitcoin is really just digital cold storage for capital or whether it is, um, like I said, you know, this, you know, you know, globally growing dominant, you know, super money that will underlie, you know, a hyper Bitcoinized world or whether it is, you know, an attestation utility for building other things on top of it's a useful tool and a kind of software toolkit. Or, you know, if it, is it just, you know, sort of um, a rich person's plaything for, you know, for, for, you know, kind of global stateless non-sovereign money flows. Um, it's hard to know yet. Um, we know it's not a medium in exchange for buying a cup of coffee. That much is settled. Um, but other than that, it, I think Bitcoin's a little bit of a, a, of a kind of Rorschach test still of, of um, possibilities. Uh, and so there are times when the market is excited about um, um, the gold thesis, kind of you know low real yields, high inflation, um, and Bitcoin may also, because it's another hard asset, highly supply constrained hard asset, trade in line with it. But there's other times when the market's sort of saying, you know, Bitcoin is growing into its future gigantic total addressable market, in which case it's sort of just completely decoupled. Um, so I, I would look at um, I would look at really what narrative is dominating the market to to say whether or not they should be they should be correlated. Um, you know, for a time. Um, right now, the narrative is about the Fed. Are they in front of the curve or behind the curve in terms of responding effectively to inflation? Have they, um, you know, is the, the fiscal authority in the U.S. completely out of line? Um, and is the Fed enabling that? You know, there's kind of all this debate about the quality of the U.S. budget and, and the dollar and, and the growth forward in the U.S. And in that context, gold and, and uh, Bitcoin probably should be pretty correlated. And I would expect them to be reasonably correlated for, for you know, kind of the short run looking ahead into the summer. Yep. And, and just uh, speaking of the Fed and interest rates, you know, we saw gold uh, drop about 4%, I think, following the Fed meeting, you know, where the Fed kind of, uh, you know, rattled the, the saber saying, hey, we're maybe looking at raising rates uh, sooner than we, we, we were thinking we were although not till 2023 or whatnot. Um, but you've got, I mean, folks like Ray Dalio and others out there who just don't think the Fed can really 
you know, raise rates very significantly without triggering a massive, you know, market meltdown, emerging market defaults and, and so on. And, and so I guess for gold investors and as well as people who think interest rates have a have an influence on the price of Bitcoin, uh, you know, I mean, how worried should 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 uh, investors be about the prospect of of you know much much higher interest rates than we have today? I mean, how much room can the Fed really? Um, you know, how far can the Fed really go? I mean, uh, this is uh, again one of these. You know, there's going to be ask a thousand people, be a thousand different opinions. Um, so let's take this with the grain of salt that it, it certainly deserves coming from me. Um, that said, I think I think Chairman Powell said kind of clearly that uh, the number one thing they're watching is really the the sort of um, the matching off of excess labor supply with job openings and the dynamics of the employment market in, in the U.S. Um, and so kind of talk of tapering and raising the policy rate and stuff, it's all, it's all downstream of basically labor conditions. It really seemed like. They seem quite comfortable that the inflation is temporary. Um, but I think there, there's a more open question around what's the degree of structural disruption in the labor market and, and, and you know, what ultimately are the, the pressures that will be created by that. Um, I think that will take time to play out. So it's hard to see how the Fed can be excessively hawkish in the next you know, month or two while they just wait for more information. Uh, so in the very short run, um, my own personal view is, is, if anything, they have to be more dovish on the margin than they've been so far. Um, and just you know, let this, it, they've, they've articulated a high degree of confidence that the inflation is transitory and then, now they need to let that play out and, and, and show that it's transitory. I don't think they're wrong, um, by the way. Again, in the short run. Now, in the long run, I think the question comes down to how responsive can they really be to um, inflation conditions as they as they unfold. Mm -hmm. um, if the labor market um, tightens up and and um, and um, there is true supply constraints and and excess demand creating you know real inflation that's more persistent and impacts expectations, like what's their ability to actually respond? And um, it's no secret that the U.S. economy is highly leveraged. It's also in the secret that the U.S. is, you know, prints the global reserve currency, and so that tension um, around being constrained by a, a, you know, big lever balance sheet versus um, having, you know, the exorbitant privilege of, of basically being able to print the money into into global reserve demand. Um, I think I think it will just continue to play out. My own view is that they're probably more constrained than the market thinks right now. I think the market has had a big stop loss, uh, like on these reflation trades, but I, I don't see anything structurally. To give me the confidence that they're going to be excessively or be excessively responsive or even be able to be excessively responsive if inflation picks up. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So I would, that, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the inflation case. I'm kind of in the bull camp on both Bitcoin and gold. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, so, I mean, one of the biggest threats to the gold market is, is rising interest rates and, and uh, people taking their capital, putting it into traditional interest earning opportunities uh, away from things like gold. And if that's just not a likely scenario, that's that certainly can help support the price. I of, think the market, you know, the flattening of the yield curves post-Fed, right, is saying, we think the neutral real yield is pretty low. And if you hike sooner, then you're gonna hike less because you're gonna kill growth pretty fast. So mm -hmm. the cycle will be less severe and shorter in duration, right? And I think that's what kind of the the, the rally in the back end of the yield curve is saying. And, um, you know, that's probably, um, 
you know, that's I guess that's not great news for global growth expectations. And so if you think that um, if you think Bitcoin is more of like a risky tech equity than it is, you know, a, you know, a digital gold, then then maybe that's not good for Bitcoin. Um, but it's definitely good for a gold <laughs> um, medium term. And well, that's a, I think a great note to finish on. Charlie, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast and sharing your thoughts on gold and 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 DGLD, our, our uh, digital version of 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 the the yellow metal. Uh, we'll look forward to hopefully catching up with you again soon. Thank you.